1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: It's been a week of shock and awe for UK investors. Wednesday started with an emergency interest rate cut from the Bank of England. Then new Chancellor Rishi Sunak delivered a budget full of emergency first aid measures to help workers, the self-employed and small businesses especially survive the corona crisis. But there was some very unexpected news for wealthy pension savers. Joe Cumbo and guests are here to talk about that. And also a doubling in the allowance for junior ISAs. But in the meantime, stock markets around the world continue to experience deep falls as central banks worldwide work out how on earth to respond to this crisis. Well, the best that we can offer you is Meryn Somerset-Webb, who will be on the line later to give her take on events for investors. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. Well, the big surprise in Wednesday's budget was news that the pensions taper threshold is to be relaxed and by a lot more than expected to help NHS doctors. But the move won't just benefit them, it will help public and private sector workers with an income of up to £200,000 a year save into their pensions now that tax restrictions are about to be lifted. Well, joining me in the studio is Josephine Cumbo, our award winning pensions correspondent Joe. What a week it's been.
2: Yes, um, this was a surprise, an unexpectedly large and generous move by the Chancellor to restore tax breaks for higher earners, effectively restore tax breaks for higher earners that were taken away in 2016. And these changes could mean that higher earners can save significantly more in their pensions within a few weeks.
0: Now- Give us a bit of a thumbsucker in what the pensions taper is. I mean, if I had to describe it in a sentence, I'd say it's a thing that makes financial advisors and wealthy people cry out, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) scream because they've got to basically work out their tax position. um, But before uh, the end of the tax year, because if they then save too much into their pension, they'll generate a tax bill which is then payable immediately. So a horrible system. But in your words.
2: Well, I can give you a 20-second a, a summary of, of the taper if I can. And uh, readers, please sip into your coffee while I try and explain how this works because it is rather complex and you can understand why advisers and and earners have been pulling their hair out about this taper, basically. Now, currently, there is a standard annual allowance, which everyone knows. It's how much you can put into a pension. £40,000? 40, uh, £40,000 a year. Now, in 2016, the Chancellor, George Osborne, uh, said... Too much tax relief has been taken by high earners, so we're going to start re- removing it. Instead of putting a cliff edge to say you can only save 10000 he installed this tapered system. Now, bear with me for the next... 40 seconds or so where I explain it. Now, currently, um, people will lose £1 of their annual allowance, which is the £40,000, for each £2 of adjusted income above £150,000 until the annual allowance settles at £10,000. Pounds for people with adjusted incomes of two hundred and ten thousand pounds or more. Now your head's already starting to explode. I can see this. No,
0: it's right. So basically, the, the more you earn over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds, the less you can save into your pension down to a floor of of, of ten thousand pounds. Although you use that that term adjusted income yes. now this is what trips a lot of people up so they don't know what that means
2: well there's another term as well there's threshold income oh there's i forgot two, about that one. <laughs> there's there's two tests to see if you qualify for the taper the first is a threshold income of 110,000 pounds and that means if you're how much your earnings are minus employer contributions into your pension that's right the second test was adjusted income of £150,000, which includes the value of any employer pension contributions. Basically, if you were earning less than £110,000, you didn't have to worry. But if you were earning over £110,000, you fell into scope of the dreaded taper, where you could start to see your annual allowance taper down to a floor of £10,000. What the Chancellor has announced is that these thresholds are going to rise by £90,000 each. Effectively, if you're earning less than £200,000, you don't have to worry about the taper anymore. You've been parachuted out of the taper problem. You're you out, have so, immunity. That's it. You're you're free of, of, of having to worry about the taper. Well, this is quite a generous tax break for people who are high earners. And what it could effectively mean, for example, if you're someone today with an income of £170,000 and not contributing to a pension, you can face a tax penalty if your employer pays uh, more than £20,000 into your pension. Mm. But under these changes from Next April, from April six. So four
0: weeks time. In basically. four weeks
2: time, your employer can contribution can be as high as forty thousand pounds. So that's quite a massive giveaway to high earners and a big change. Well,
0: bravo, Joe, for explaining it so well. Now, on the theme of the NHS, which I know is a subject very dear to your heart. The reason why the Chancellor has granted this large S to everybody um, in the budget is because of the particular problems that the pensions taper was causing for the NHS and highly paid consultants there who were receiving massive tax bills and therefore turning down over time, having to retire early in some cases, which is obviously not what we need when the country is in the grip of the corona crisis.
2: Absolutely. it's um, the, the, the pensions taper hit high earners and the NHS has the largest concentration of high earners in any workforce in the country. And particularly it's hit senior hospital consultants and GPs. Now, when the health service is already stretched, you do not want to be having doctors retire early or reduce their hours because of they're worried about generating pension tax bills, but that's what was happening. There were unintended uh, consequences of uh, of the taper. They were finding if they were doing extra hours to clear patient uh, backlogs, what would be happening is that would generate, uh, put them into the zone of a taper bill, six-figure pension taper bills. The only way they were able to control that effectively was to reduce their hours. So with the coronavirus um, emerging in recent weeks, The government really needed to take some swift action to reduce and relieve pressure on the NHS and get as many doctors working as possible on the front line. And and that is why I think what has prompted this rather unexpected and generous move, it's going to cost the taxpayer two billion over five years. But it affects everybody, not just doctors. It'll affect everyone in the private sector, higher earners included.
0: Okay, well, listening to me and Joe talk on the line is Christine Ross. Um, She is the Client Director, Handles Bank and Wealth Management and a friend of FT Money. You've often been um, a, a special budget expert for us on Budget Day. The virus has disrupted our travel arrangements this time, but we're glad to speak to you over the phone, Christine. What are your thoughts on the taper change of heart?
1: Well, Claire, I think overall that whilst the Chancellor had an awful lot to focus on yesterday, there was a huge missed opportunity to simplify matters. If there are any moans and upsets about pensions, it's the sheer complexity and, of course, the ever-changing landscape. Um, this, uh, The tapered annual allowance, as Joe has explained, is horrendously complicated, um, as much for advisors as for individuals trying to save in their pensions. And I think a key issue um, that many miss is that when adding up the income for our pensions, we always think about our earnings um, and any other top-up bonuses or other profit shares we might receive. But of course, in calculating income for this, we have to look at all of our other savings income as well. Maybe some have rental properties where the income just will not be known in advance. So it's incredibly welcome to have such a high uplift of 90000 to these two thresholds I just wish it had been done away with, and there was some other mechanism to restrict tax relief overall. I think some accept that tax relief may need to be restricted in some quarters, but this is a very convoluted way of doing it. Well, could it
0: bring pension savings back from the brink um, for you know the hundreds of thousands of wealthy people who will now have this enlarged threshold and can now save more than ten thousand pounds into a pension again?
1: Yes. I think that it will uh, allow many more people to start pension saving again. And uh, importantly, those who sometimes receive matched contributions from their employers, if they put a bit extra in themselves, um, so it will allow those people to start um, uplifting their contributions again. But of course... Um, While slightly um, on a a different pension subject, many people still can't save any more into their pension uh, because they've reached the lifetime threshold as well. But certainly for higher earners who are having large, unexpected tax bills, this is at least very welcome news for now.
0: Now, for those people who earn more um, than £250,000 a year, they have got a separate problem because the taper still exists um, for people who are earning that or higher amounts. And the new floor that it can taper down to is even less going forward at just £4,000.
1: That's right. So before one couldn't go below a £10,000 annual allowance. Now it's even lower. For many, they'll just sort of say, why bother? Um, For those that have pension arrangements in place and can limit um, their contribution they can choose whatever they put in then they may well do that just as a good tax um, planning initiative Um, but for others who want to be a member of a scheme where they are required to contribute or indeed receive a percentage of their salary uh, they're going to have to make adjustments if they just want to take advantage of the 4,000 and not end up with any additional tax bills now for a benefit that they may not receive for several years.
0: Well, a very nice problem to have, um, I suppose, in some respects. But Christine, do you think that Rishi Sunak, when we hope, God willing, that all of the um, disruption from the coronavirus um, dies down, will he come back to have a swipe at higher rate relief and wider pensions reform as, before the virus um, hit us, he had been widely expected to look at in this budget?
1: I think it's highly likely that the Chancellor will revisit the entire pensions tax relief landscape um, we 've seen moves with things like the lifetime ISA to encourage people to save out of taxed income but having top up bonuses as incentives and tax free returns and to some extent greater freedom as to when or how they take their money um, I do see a move in that direction and I believe um, the whole question of tax relief will be addressed in the future.
0: Well, stay on the line, Christine, because we're going to come back to you in a second to talk a bit more about junior ISAs. But Joe Cumbo in the FT studio, is this your fear as well?
2: Yes, I agree completely with what Christine has just said there. I think that the Chancellor will come back to revisit uh, pensions tax relief. And I think the biggest driver for that is that they've just unleashed £18 billion specifically on a spending spree. Now, that's going to put a lot of pressure on on the public finances. And where are they going to recoup that down the line? High rate relief, I don't believe, is out of the danger zone. I think that they will revisit this area within the next 12 months or so. Okay.
0: well, the message is clear. Listeners, if you are prepared to put some more money in the stock market before the end of the tax year, then take advantage of the tax advantages that you have on your pension today. In the words of one reader, one of our winning stock picking competition winners who visited the FT last week, he said... I rang my advisor a few weeks ago because my pension fund was nudging up past the annual allowance of around a million pounds and I wanted to know what he thought I should do. He phoned back um, last week and said, well, the markets have kind of solved that problem for you um, because you've now dropped safely back down. We're going to be joined on the line by Merrin Somerset-Webb later in the podcast. But for now, we're going to turn to the other surprise announcement um, in the budget yesterday, which was that from April, the junior ISA threshold will be more than doubled to nearly £9,000. Now, there will be a lot of parents, I'm sure, who listen to the podcast thinking, I haven't got £9,000 per child um, to put into one of those accounts. I can barely manage the £4,300 um, that there is at the moment. So, Christine, as a wealth manager, this is no doubt something that your clients were very unexpectedly happy to see come up.
1: I think many will be very pleased to see such a large increase in the junior ISA limit, Um, and not just parents, but potentially grandparents who contribute um, where these funds can be used for all sorts of long-term needs, university fees. And even earlier than that, possibly school fees or just generally to help young people onto the housing ladder if indeed the funds are available for them to save.
0: Now, for anyone who's listening to the podcast who doesn't really know very much about junior Isis, basically... They work in the same way that an adult ISA does. You can choose to have it in cash um, or you can put it in stocks and shares. It is in your child's name. However, the parents open and manage the investment on their behalf. When the child turns 18, the junior ISA then transforms, as if by magic, into an adult cash ISA or stocks and shares ISA. And at that point, it's the child's um, decision whether to take money out, keep it invested. Now, that, Christine, puts off a lot of parents
1: has indeed. The question when saving for um, younger persons is always to consider that at the magic age of 18, they are in control of the money. And I still do have many clients that each year do fund their children's ICES in full, and indeed, in some cases, continue to do it for them when they've reached 18. Um, But there is that realisation that they will have control, which with this new allowance will be an even more sizable pot of money in a few years' time. And I think that in the main... It all comes down to financial education, as well as saving for the younger person is actually getting them used to their investments, understanding how they work, and ultimately taking responsibility for that money and understanding what it's for.
0: Absolutely, Christine. We had lots more on this in the FT Money ISA special last week, um, where we heard from experts, including Charlotte Ramson at NetWealth, about how she trusted her children to do the right thing with their junior ISAs slash stocks and shares ISAs. The actual level that it was increased to, £9,000, precious little detail in the budget document as to why um, the government have been so generous. As a seasoned wealth professional, Christine, does this make you scratch your head a little bit and think, what are they What are they up to here? Is this a kind of a sop for um, intergenerational um, giving because they're going to do something with pensions in future? Or are we just reading too much into it?
1: Well, I don't think it's necessary linked absolutely to pensions although we might see a streamlining in the future of all the different types of ISAs that have um, come about um, and by giving a meaningful allowance for those who can afford to save for younger generation it is helping to build up a pot of money early on possibly to help onto the housing ladder or for other purposes I haven't linked it to anything in particular but it is a rather unusual move to double such an allowance at this time. As
0: a result of the increase, I mean, do you think that junior ISA, despite the worries of parents, could potentially become an alternative to a family trust set up for some families?
1: I'm not sure that funding junior ISA will necessarily replace the family trust, although it can be far more tax efficient. Of course, it doesn't have the control mechanism that a trust has after a child reaches age 18. But I do think that these allowances will be taken up by many and will be very welcome.
0: Well, thanks very much there, Christine Ross, Handel Bank and Wealth Management, and Joe Cumbo, the FT's Pensions Correspondent. We have a wealth of content in the FT Weekend newspaper, which is available on Saturday and Sunday from all good news agents, and online, ft.com/slash money, taking in coverage of the budget and also coverage of the rocky week on markets this week. So, return now to Merrin Somerset Web. I should say we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Lots, um, obviously, happening on the markets. Um, Probably more happening as we're in the studio down here, but we've already seen mayhem on US markets today and obviously the ECB becoming the latest central bank trying to do something to stop the rot. Merrin, what is your first take on everything that's been happening this week?
3: Well, definitely mayhem. On Thursday afternoon, you know the markets uh, have fallen to nine percent. Or today, the FTSE is currently down more than nine percent. So it's a hell of a day, and an awful lot of people will have never seen or felt anything like this. You know, the, the worst day, of course, in, in living memory was uh, 1987 when uh, the US market fell 22 percent in a day, and that was, that was Black Monday. So we haven't had a day quite that bad. But all in all, the the full fall has taken us very. Very firmly into bear market territory, and what we've seen from the central banks—we saw it in the UK yesterday, and we've seen it in, in Europe today—that central banks can't make this go away. This is not a financial crisis. It's not like 2008. You can't throw money at it. You can't. You can't increase demand from um, an entire world who's slightly too frightened to leave their sofa to leave their sofa by by cutting interest rates or that kind of thing. What you can do. Smooth the process, and that's what we saw in the UK budget yesterday. A lot of attempts to offer companies and people financial bridges to get them to the other side of this crisis. And that's the key bit the other side of this crisis. We don't know quite how long it will be, but what we do know is that it's not a financial crisis. So, what it does is it affects the economy. And the question is, how much smaller is the economy when we get to the other side, whenever that is? And that's something, of course, that we just don't know. So we have here, you know, I'm actually beginning to start to write my column for you this week, and I'm starting it by with a, you know, cake on that old quote about unhappy families and happy families All happy families are happy in the same way and all unhappy families are um, unhappy in their own way. And it's also true of markets, you know, um, bull markets, everyone's happy. You get the same kind of feeling out of every bull market, but every bear market comes with its own particular terrors and uncertainties. And this one, because its trigger is not financial, fits very firmly into, into that totally believing no idea what's going to happen next category.
0: That's what's so terrifying for us as investors. Now, I mean, speaking early in the week, I was saying um, to to people who were um, phoning up LBC, the more worried you are about this is going to really relate to how old you are and how near to retirement age you might be, because we've got an awful lot of people who with pension freedoms have Mm -hmm. taken advantage of those they've maybe transferred a final salary pension into the market or they've got one of the new flexi drawdown plans where they remain invested in the markets but draw an income from their savings while they're retired those are the people who i'm getting emails from and hearing from who
3: yeah but there's also worth remembering that all those people didn't do that last week or the week before no that's you know we've, we've been in a massive bull market an awful an awful lot of the people who are asking you questions will be back where they were a couple of years ago um, you know, it's it's not as though everyone you're talking about suddenly did this yesterday. But yes, you're right. There is a whole new element of fear in, in this market, particularly in the UK, because we have everyone who's in drawdown, people who are coming up to retirement who realize that they are fully in control, or not in control, but responsible for their own finances. And then also, of course, we have all the younger people. You might say they've got much more time to make it up, but that doesn't mean that young people now in auto-enrollment who have financial assets for the first time aren't going to look at that and be terrified as well. So you have this, this huge lack of confidence and fear running through the whole market. And the question everyone is asking, of course, is when does it bottom? How does it bottom? How do we know when it's bottomed? And you can do that, of course. Historically, you can do that by looking at valuations and and you can see when something is cheap. You can't say that it's not going to go down further because it's cheap, but you can see when it looks cheap. However, in a situation like this, when we have a a supply shock and a demand shock at the same time, are those valuations really valid? If you have no idea what the global economy looks like going forward two years, three years. And also, of course, if you're seeing here a sort of a a massive test of what a non-globalized world would be like, one in which you can't just send anything anywhere, one in which you can't just travel in the same way as you're used to, etc. You know, it may be that this is all over in a couple of months and we all feel a little bit silly. But because we don't know that, no one can really look for a flaw. Exactly, and I think you summed that up
0: so well. Now, of course, the million dollar question, if you like, is how investors should respond. To all of this, we can see from platform level data that people last week were generally moving into cash, although there were a few brave um, buyers. Those who were buying tended to buy index funds so they could buy the whole markets. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. if you're somebody who's prepared to trade and take short um, positions, short-term positions um, on things like that, that's you know that's fine. That's up to you. It's not how um, you or I would do our investments. I'm very much trying to stick to my long-term investment vision and philosophy and uh, console myself with the level of bonds that I have in my company pension fund. (laughs) But it's, it's scary times.
3: Well, and don't forget that, you know, your your bond holdings are not exactly secure either. This is the kind of, of crisis levels that could bring about all sorts of credit again, events for various companies. Don't forget that debt levels are incredibly high. And don't forget as well that if you look at a chart... Of uh, you know the treasuries over the last however long. If you look at that chart, you see a market that's gone exponential. And while there are lots of of reasons to think that bond yields are going to stay phenomenally low, for equity people, like me, I'm more of an equity person. You look at the the bond chart, and your bond price charts and you think, wow, you know, if that's an, if that was an equity chart, we'd all be rushing for the exits. I wouldn't I wouldn't go around the base thinking that anything is 100 percent safe. Even gold is, is off quite a bit, which is irritating because that's supposed to be the great balancer for our portfolios. But you know if you haven't sold already, if you weren't phenomenally clever and you know got out of everything two weeks ago, you're looking at a point where you have made quite a lot of losses where um, you can start looking around and saying, well, is there value somewhere in these markets? Um, this is not a point to rush in. We, this is not over. There is lots of volatility left. And, you know, we may think, see things go down significantly further as fear really, really grabs hold, particularly in the U.S. And remember, there's a lot of, uh, um, could be political consequences for this as well. You know, do you still have full faith in, in the U.S. government? Is Does this change the, the result of the next U.S. election, etc.? There's now new elements of, of political risk in here. Suddenly, it really matters how President Trump behaves, and maybe it matters more than it did three, four, five, six months ago. Um so you know this is this is not a time to be tremendously bullish, but there is always value in markets. So keep eyes open, uh, look at the things you've been interested in for a while, keep an eye on your favorite investment trusts if they're coming down to much, much bigger uh, discount to their net asset values than you've seen in the past, although you might quite fairly say, are oh, those net asset values going to be valid in, in three or four months? So, you know, it is a time to keep cash to look at what you might buy and think about where you can see value because there will be value. And this this doesn't go on forever. Well, very well
0: summed up there by Merrin Somerset-Webb. And of course, you can read more in the FT Weekend newspaper on Saturday. Merrin's column will be about what investors should do next, summing up the rocky week on markets. And indeed... All of the budget measures are also in our edition this week. If you want to read online, go to ft.com money. From Friday, everything will be there. But for now, that's it from The Money Show this week. If you want to get in touch with our team of experts, you can email us, money at ft.com. Perhaps send us your thoughts about the market. We are also on Twitter. You can follow the latest news updates by following our handle at ftmoney. And we will be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye.